0: Finally, a victory Monday. And I'm here to talk about what matters most coming out of the win over the Browns today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode of Locked On Bills is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All you do is pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code On. That's PrizePicks.com. promo code Locked on. Happy Victory Monday to you. The Buffalo Bills defeated the Cleveland Browns 31-23 and improved to 7-3 and on the season. Folks, the Bills won another one-score game. For whatever that narrative was worth, the Bills won a one-score game. All right, folks, it's good to be back on a Victory Monday. It's been too long, right, since we've had a chance to celebrate a win and kind of talk about what matters most coming out of it. And so that's what we're going to do here on the podcast. I'm going to do the things I like, the things I didn't like. We'll recap our predictions and set the tone for the week here on the podcast. But before I really get into the weeds here, I think we should first acknowledge the effort that it took to get the Bills out of Western New York and into Detroit for this football game. So cool to hear the stories of how the community came together uh, to get players literally dug out of their driveways and in position to get picked up or get you know, to the airport so they can go play in this football game. The videos and stories are so cool of, of neighbors and fans that showed up to help, and it really sounded like an entire organizational effort. Uh, to get the bills to Detroit. and so um, really cool to to see that and hear about all that. and um, just another moment that makes you proud to be a bills fan. It, it really does, and i I know it feels normal to us for this type of thing to happen, but I don't want it to ever feel normal because it's really rare and it's special, and it speaks to the community and um, what people are willing to do to help their neighbors. and uh, you always You always know that uh, when it comes to Western New York, and makes me very proud uh, to be a Bills fan and be part of Bills Mafia. So shout out to everyone who played a hand in getting the Bills to Detroit for this football game. All right, let's talk about the things that I liked. First of all, a very general statement that I'll make before we kind of get into the weeds. I like that they played smart football, that they overcame a slow start that they embraced the game script and did what was necessary to win the game. They never got too cute. They never took anything for granted. They went out there and stayed in it, pulled away, and preserved the win. And I know that we've seen Bill's wins look a lot differently, right? Normally, they look a lot different than this. But I think the Bills needed to win a game like this. They needed this type of win. And I was happy to see it happen. So before we talk about the specifics, they played smart. They overcame a slow start. They embraced the game script, the weird game script for the Bills, did what was necessary to win the game. They never got too cute, and they never took anything for granted. Now, more specifically, I like this rushing offense. Have to start there, right? The Bills... Ran the football 33 times for 171 yards, had a rushing touchdown. And I think my favorite part of that statistic is that only seven yards came from Josh Allen. Seven yards of the 171 came from Josh Allen. This was about running backs, running the football, and being productive and consistent for four quarters. Devin Singletary. 18 rushes, 86 yards. That's 4.8 yards per carry. He also had a touchdown run. The guy took nine weeks to get his first rushing touchdown of the season. Now he's got two in the last three games. James Cook, a great game from him. 11 rushes, 86 yards. That's 7.8 yards per carry. Very good job complimenting Devin Singletary. And I thought the Bills got James Cook going in good situations for him, attacking the edges. Quite a bit and having some nice design on some of those inside runs to give him really good tracks to run the football. He played well. And Naheem Hines winds up having one rush, one what one, one rush, excuse me, for negative eight yards. And man, that play could have been huge. Obviously, the missed ear hole tackle. You know, Jadavian Clowney pulled him down by his ear hole. He, officials gotta they can't miss that call, but they did and obviously a tough ask for Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis is a good blocker, but asking him to block on Clowney is, is really a, a significant request. And so I'm unsurprised that he wasn't able to hit that block, but Naheem, to get pulled down by his ear hole, you, you need the referees to make that call. But I thought that was going to be a huge, huge play if, if they could have hit it, but they didn't, obviously. And I know that we talked all week about how the Browns had a poor run defense and their defensive tackles stink. But credit to the Bills for taking advantage of that weakness. For the season, the Browns were giving up 4.8 yards per carry. The Bills got 5.2 yards per carry, and that includes, what, the kneel down and, of course, a, a negative eight from Naheem Hines. And so I thought the Bills did a great job of taking advantage of a bad run defense in a way that you would expect them to do it. And so I thought first and foremost, this, this rushing offense deserved a lot of credit for this ball game, especially late in the game where they were able to get some, some big conversions and be able to legitimately rely on it to milk clock and win a ball game. It was cool to see. The next thing I want to talk about is Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen in this game. I thought he played a smart game. This wasn't the kind of day where he needed to carry the team. He relied on the run game, and he didn't force anything, especially in the red zone. And it was a concerning start to the game. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. And I thought that Gabriel Davis drop on the second drive that would have been a beautiful third down conversion over the middle. Uh, Gabe just dropped it. I was concerned at that moment, but Josh stuck with it. He took care of the football, and he helped prove that the Bills can win games without everything falling on his shoulders. 18 of 27, 197 yards and a touchdown passing. It was a perfectly fine day from QB1, and in some ways, exactly what he needed, especially with how the game ultimately unfolded. Very, very satisfied with all of that. From Josh Allen. No, it wasn't the dynamic huge plays that we typically see him make in a game where the Bills score 31 points, but on the heels of what we watched over the last, I guess, 10 quarters from him, we'll take this. This was a good step in the right direction. Dawson Knox, good game for him, matched a career high with seven receptions on seven targets for 70 yards. They did a good job of of incorporating their $14 million a year tight end. And I don't know that we could say that very often this year. So it was nice to see him be a, a major factor in this ballgame. How about Stefan Diggs? Four catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. I was uh, discouraged like everyone else to start this game where the Bills' offense was sputtering and Stefan Diggs wasn't involved. And a lot has been made over this chat that Stefan Diggs had with Sean McDermott on the sideline. I don't really put much into it. Uh, the Bills offense, like I said, it was sputtering. They had no first downs. Diggs didn't have a target. And to me, it just looked like a normal conversation between a head coach and a key influential leader on the football team. The broadcast tried to make a very big deal out of this. And to me, it was was good to see, right? You want to see that communication. You want to see Coach McDermott be able to have a moment with a player and talk something through, and you like to see the response that happened. But to me, it's just normal football. Good to see. But obviously, the bigger point being that Diggs got involved after that moment, had a key touchdown. Came away with four catches for 48 yards. Not the biggest game you'll ever see from Stefan Diggs, but when he was able to kind of get it going, he made a difference. I want to talk about the special teams. What a day for the special teams. I mean, just an unbelievable day for the Bills' special teams. Tyler Bass scored 19 points, 6 of 6 on field goals. He hit from 42, 36, 56. That was huge. 49, 28, and 39 made his extra point. It was just a pure day kicking the ball for Tyler Bass, and I thought, I thought it was just very consistent, just the, the flight of the ball, the confidence. You can hear the, the toe hit the leather. I mean, it was just pure kicking of the football, and you expect that to some degree because he's playing inside in a controlled environment, but you still love to see it. So that was one great part about the special teams. They go seven for seven on field goals, basically, if you include the extra point. How about Naheem Hines? Don't you love having this guy on the field as your return guy? Gets a chance to be the kick returner as well as the punt returner in this game. He's a nice player. He's a weapon back there. He's the total package, right? He gives you good decision-making, good ball handling, and production with the ball in his hands. That 28-yard return was huge for the Bills. Set him up to get a field goal. The offense was going nowhere. That 28-yard punt return put the Bills in scoring range, and they got three points. Was a big part of this ballgame. Two punt returns for 37 yards, three kick returns for 76 yards, including a 32-yard return. Sam Martin, the Bills punter, was phenomenal. Two punts, 52-yard net on one punt, 47-yard net on the other. That's a phenomenal day of punting the football. And then DaQuan Jones with a blocked field goal, a 34-yard attempt, by the way, that would have made it a 22 to 13 ball game. He, uh, the blocked field goal kept it at 22 to 10. So it wasn't like this was a low boot coming from a long field goal. This was basically an extra point, 34 yards, and DaQuan Jones was able to get his paw on it. So you're talking about a great day: place kicking, punting, returning, and you get a blocked field goal. That's an outstanding day for Matthew Smiley's special teams unit. Got more to talk about in terms of things that I'd like from this ball game. We'll focus on the defense here in just a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Total Wine & More. This holiday season, find what you love at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from, it's easy to find a new favorite Cabernet or Chardonnay or the perfect gift for everyone on your list with some help from a friendly guide, and all of that with the confidence of knowing you found something special for the lowest price. Love what you find only at Total Wine and more. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Drink responsibly. B21. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and coming soon to Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. You can find an affordable economy car if you're just on a budget and need to get from point A to point B. You can even test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your high on to see how it fits into your everyday life. And I love this. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Got a few more things that I liked from this ball game that I want to talk about and kind of focus on the defensive side of the football. And we'll start here with the defense. They manned up against the run. Big time. Big time. The Browns had 26 rushes for 80 yards. This was one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. And that Nick Chubb guy, 14 rushes for 19 yards. I spent all day on this pod or all week really on this podcast talking about this guy and how special of a running back he is and how much concern he gave me, how good he is after contact. I mean, this was a big influential point of our conversations all week long. The Bills held him to 19 yards on 14 carries. I mean, that's a terrific job. Getting some tackles for loss, but mostly just winning up front and limiting the space available for Nick Chubb. Thought the defensive tackles in this game were phenomenal. At Oliver. What a game, three tackles for loss. Daquan Jones controlled his space. Tim Settle showed up in this ball game, felt his presence. I think he's been pretty mediocre this year. Felt him in this one. Jordan Phillips, these guys all had some really good moments, and I'm also going to shout out Shaq Lawson. I like Shaq Lawson. I really do. I think he's such a fundamentally sound football player. No, he's not this elite, dynamic pass rusher. But he just does everything that you want him to do. He plays the run. He's smart. He anticipates blocks. He squeezes gaps. He's where he's supposed to be. He's a smart pass rusher that plays within himself. He's never out of his lane. He is a fundamentally sound football player. Shaq Lawson can be my defensive end for all day long. I'm not sure he's right now with Greg Rousseau out. I'm not sure if he shouldn't be the starter opposite of Von Miller because he's so fundamentally sound and he does maybe he doesn't make a ton of plays, even though he does, right? He had he literally had the a tackle for on uh, on the QB sneak from Jacoby Brissett in this game. And of course last week did the same against Kirk Cousins. So yeah, he does make some plays, but I, I just really appreciate what he brings to the table. I think you guys all would agree that the star on defense was Matt Milano Matt Milano. Bill's linebacker was unbelievable in this game. 12 tackles, three of them for a loss a sack, a fumble recovery. I mean, he made big play after big play for this defense. And I thought, I thought that fumble recovery was a game-changing moment. They need the, – at that point in the game, but we'll get into this in just a moment, they needed something to go right. The offense was, was sputtering. The defense was giving up yards. The, they needed a break. And I know that they didn't force that fumble, but Matt Milano had very good awareness to that ball and got on it quick. And that was a game-changing play. 12 tackles, 3 for loss, a sack, fumble recovery. He probably deserves a lot of recognition and, and maybe even consideration for AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Vote for Matt Milano to go to the Pro Bowl. He deserves it. He's he's playing linebacker as good as anyone in the league right now. And as I tweeted out from the, the uh, Lockdown Bills Twitter account, all pro Milano or we riot. He's playing great. How about Jordan Poyer in this ballgame? I think he made an impact, right? Disrupted that early pass to David Njoku. Looked like it was going to be a catch. Certainly over the last two weeks, without him against the Jets and Vikings, that was a catch. We saw it a million times. Poyer was able to get in there and disrupt it, and then obviously made that big tackle for loss. I believe it was on Nick Chubb on a pass to the outside. Blew it up. He felt his presence all game long. And I know that a lot of people are bringing up that the Bills are 6-0 when he plays and uh, they have 3 losses, right, when he's not on the field, right? All 3 of them. The Dolphins, the Jets and the Vikings. And you could you could go to each one of those games and specifically bring up moments that cost the Bills the ball game that if Jordan Poyer was in there, might have gone differently. Go to Miami, the 3rd and 22 conversion. Does that happen if Jordan Poyer's the safety? How about the Jets game? All those moments where we're frustrated with Jaquan Johnson, what if that was Jordan Poyer? If Jordan Poyer's on the field, does the Jets have that long drive at the end where the Bills couldn't get a stop? Do you think Michael Carter averages over six yards after contact per rush against the Bills if Jordan Poyer's in the game? How about the Vikings? All those low lights from Cam Lewis, whether it was the bad angle on the Dalvin Cook 81-yard touchdown run, Whipping on the tackle on the C.J. Ham rushing touchdown. All the plays that Cam Lewis couldn't make in the passing game. You think that's different if Jordan Poyer's on the field? I mean, literally, you could probably make a really strong case at the Bills don't lose any of those games if Jordan Poyer plays. And they're 6-0 when he does play, and we all know that they don't beat Baltimore without him. You can't. You can't say enough about how important Jordan Poyer is to this football team. Let's talk about things I didn't like. And I think you got to start with the start to the game. I mean, what a, what a bad start. You finally win a coin toss. The defense is on the field for the first time first, right? The first time they're on the field first all year long. And the Browns go right down your throat. Nine plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. They took six minutes off the clock. They converted two third and 11s on the drive. The Amari Cooper touchdown. You're like, oh, crap. This is going to be bad. The offense gets the ball. They go three and out. The defense gets back on the field, and okay, great. The Vikings go three and out. Uh, The Vikings, excuse me. The Browns go three and out. Then you get the great return on the punt by Hines. The Bills offense takes over at the Browns 32. They get eight yards on first down. They have second and two. And then they don't get another inch and have to settle for a field goal. That didn't feel good, right? Your offense starts a drive at the plus 32, and you don't get a first down. Browns get the ball back. They get a field goal, but they drove the ball well. They got the ball down inside the Bills' 10-yard line. Offense gets the ball back. They go three and out again. Everything looks hard. Josh Allen doesn't look comfortable in any way, shape, or form. And then the next drive from the Browns, they're moving the ball with ease once again, and Jacoby Brissett fumbles, and it feels like a new game. And it was a new game from that moment forward, but it took over 27 minutes to feel like the Bills had a pulse in this football game. I mean, they finally woke up, but it was, a, it was a rough, nearly entirely two full quarters of just, what is this? Starting to really question this football team. Well, they found their pulse and played really good over the last 32 minutes of the game. The next thing that I didn't like was... The offense just wasn't as situationally dynamic as I want it to be. Although I will say, like I I began this podcast with, is that I'm okay with it. I think this was the type of game the Bills needed to play and win. Smart, take care of the ball, and just keep playing. But I don't think you ever want to look at a game and say, oh, they were 2 of 5 in the red zone scoring touchdowns. That's bad. 3 of 11 on third down. You have 186 net passing yards. I mean, that's not great. That's not good stuff. Again, the type of game I think the Bills needed to play and win. But if you think about things that you don't love and it means you don't like it, I think it's fair to say that the offense just wasn't as situationally dynamic as we want it to be. The next thing is that that I didn't like is that the Bills gave up a lot of passing production. And it really just came from the DBs not being able to make plays in the ball. They're in position, but they're just not winning the ball. You're seeing Amari Cooper go up and get it, and Donovan Peoples-Jones go up and get it, and then last week it's Justin Jefferson, and the week before that it's whoever the heck Aaron Rodgers threw the ball to in the second half of the game and just going up and making plays in the ball. Maybe that's different if you have Kyer Elam, Tredavious White. It would be nice to have that guy at some point. But DB's just weren't winning the ball in the air. And then, I mean, the pass rush was really quiet. I'm pretty disappointed in the Bills' pass rush lately. One sack, five quarterback hits, and over 40 dropbacks. Not good enough. Now I will say this because I, I, I saw some questions and stuff that came my way about how are the why are the Bills giving up all these yards to a backup quarterback? We talked about this. Like the Browns statistically have not been a bad offense this year. They're actually number five in the NFL. They average 375 yards per game. They're number 10 in scoring. Like this wasn't a crap offense just because they had a backup quarterback. Jacoby Brissett's probably, and, and I thought Jeff Lloyd on the crossover discussion last Thursday kind of put this really well. Jacoby Brissett's probably somewhere between 25 and 35 when it comes to ranking the quarterbacks in the NFL. Like this isn't, the worst quarterback that a team can put out there. He's got size and toughness and like, yeah, he limits a team, but he's not awful. That's a top five offense, top 10 in scoring, entering this game. So when you factor that in with a Bills defense, that doesn't have Greg Russo. and doesn't have Tremaine Edmonds. and doesn't have Kyer Elam. Obviously doesn't have... Micah Hyde, I guess we're used to that. Doesn't have Tredavious White. I guess we're used to that. I mean, you're you're missing some, like, big-time impact players at a neutral site. So, yeah, I don't love that they gave up a lot of passing production, but I'm I'm not sitting here panicking. I'm not sitting here saying, wow, it was a backup quarterback. There's context there that you have to consider. Two more quick things and things I didn't like. Uh, the next thing is Gabriel Davis being on the hands team. Send that to the moon. Gabriel Davis has good ball skills and he has good size, but his hands are very inconsistent. And so uh, you saw that in that opportunity. Like, Legitimately, the Browns should have recovered that. Ronnie Harrison had every opportunity to get that ball because Gabe Davis couldn't field it cleanly, so let's get that guy off. And you you would think he'd be the guy, right, the number two receiver, He's got good size. Like, Ideally, that would be who you put there, but that's just another area where you miss Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde's that guy. We've seen this a hundred times. That, Micah Hyde every time gets that football cleanly. Diggs on the other side, you're happy with that. But Gabe Davis on the hands team is something that this football team needs to reconsider. And then the last thing, and I'll keep this very brief, the refs got very annoying in this game, didn't they? Just felt like, just felt like at a certain point they just wanted to be involved wanted to be involved so i never like that i'm not one to talk a whole lot about referees and all that type of stuff but they just got annoying as hell to me in this football game this episode is brought to you by prize picks i hope you've been getting in on the action over at prize picks prize picks is my favorite daily fantasy resource how does it work well you pick 2 to 5 players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And PrizePix has every sport that you watch. That includes NFL, NBA, NHL, golf, college sports, boxing, soccer, you name it. You can find it over at Prize Picks. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So download the PrizePix app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. So, if you deposit 100, prize picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, prize picks will give you 50. Just don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON at signup for an instant deposit match worth up to $100 over at Prize Picks. All right, let's close this thing out by reflecting on my predictions, talking quickly about the AFC East, and setting the tone for what's next for the Bills in this podcast. So, as for my predictions, We did really good this time. My first prediction was that Naheem Hines would make an impact in this game. And what I said on the podcast on Friday was that I don't know how to measure that, but we'll know. I said, I will be able to hypothetically look you in the eye when reviewing these predictions for the postgame pod. And we can agree that he made an impact. Well, he had the big punt return, right? that set up a score for the bills when the offense was having no life at all Had another good punt return, a couple good kick returns. Is it definitive? I mean, I thought he made an impact. Was it like Matt Milano impact? No, but I don't know that that was ever my intent. So I put a, uh, I put a poll in the locked on bills, Twitter community. So if you're on Twitter, Find the Locked On Bills Twitter community and join it. It's fun. There's a lot of good discussion in there. And I asked them, I said, very important. Did Naheem Hines make a meaningful impact in this game? And as of the recording of this podcast, 87% of you said yes. That means 13% said no. That's pretty convincing, right? Am I claiming this as a correct prediction? (laughs) <laughs> I, wish, I wish it was like a, like easier for me to say this, but I think there's a good chance that I got that right. Number two, I predicted a season high for rushing yards from Devin Singletary. Uh, 85 was his season high against Kansas City. He's only had more than 85 rushing yards eight times in his career. We got it, folks. 86 on the dot, which is exactly what I needed him to get. And there was a moment there where he had 86, and then he had a three-yard loss. And I was like, oh, my God. I just lost a prediction. It was late in the game, too. But then he gained it right back, and we got back to 86. And we're back in business. We got that one right. I said, no Josh Allen interceptions. Got that right. Yes, no Josh Allen interceptions. No Bills turnovers at all in this game. I said that the Bills would win the coin toss. That happened. That was nice, right? And I predicted the Bills win, and we got that right as well. So I, I at a minimum, got four of these right. I, at a minimum, got four of these right. And if you think that Naheem Hines made an impact in this game and the way that I communicated it on Friday, then I went five for five. But I think this is the second time this year where I went four for four for sure, but that fifth one was like, "Mm, did you really get it? And so I'll, I'll leave it up to the court of public opinion. Uh, as for the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins, they're in first place still. They're, uh, they were idle this week. They didn't play, and they come off the bye. They're 7-3, and three, and they play the Houston Texans uh, with their next game, so probably an 8-3 and three team. Uh, the Bills are 7-3. and three. After their win over the Browns, they're in second place. They lost to the Dolphins, so they don't have the tiebreaker. The Dolphins currently have that. The Patriots are in third place. They're now 6-4 and four after their 10-3 win over the Jets. And the Jets are now 6-4 and four after their 10-3 loss to the Patriots. Um, so that's how the AFC East shakes up right now. Next for the Bills, they're back in Detroit on Thanksgiving to play the Detroit Lions, who have won three in a row. And uh, I will get you ready for that game this week on the podcast. I know the Detroit Lions very, very well. They're part of my pro scouting responsibilities for the Draft Network, so um, I might have a little extra <laughs> to say about them. I have watched all of their games this year, so I, I'm I'm very well acquainted with that football team, and so I'll get you ready for them uh, this week on the podcast. Stay tuned on exactly what the plan's going to be. Um, we're some of the timing of things this week. It, it makes it a little bit challenging. The Bills obviously play on Thursday. And we will have crossover Thursday on Thursday, which I'll probably publish for you sometime on Wednesday whenever I get that recorded. Uh, Friday will be the game reaction, and then we'll get the primer in. And we may have to skip herd mentality this week just because of, of the way things line up. And then the Bills play the following Thursday against the Patriots. So our, our programming here is going to be a little different <laughs> as we try to navigate um, just a weird chunk of the Bills' schedule. And then, obviously, they have a 10 days between – the Patriots in their next game. So um, I'll have to kind of take a look at exactly what I want to do here over the next three weeks. But, uh, you know, I'll be here for you every day. I just don't know exactly what we'll be talking about, but we'll try to keep our normal uh, staples of our weekly routine in as much as possible. So uh, make sure that you're subscribed. Don't miss anything. I would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share this podcast. Happy Victory Monday to you, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.